Hey, coconuts, I get it. Everyone is concerned what is going to happen to Evergrande, the Chinese stock market, and the global stock market. At the core, people want to know right, how it's going to affect my investments. The truth is, I don't really like to participate in these kind of discussions, and I'm not feeling great. But I think the US mainstream media, and also a lot of online people, they're not giving a very fair assessment, and not the, they're not being very real. Lah. And I just want to come in and share my perspective to be a little bit more clear about where I stand. Uh, you don't need to take my word as the end-all be-all, but I'm pretty sure you guys are concerned and want to hear a little bit of uh, where I see this thing. So welcome back to The Financial Coconut. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So good morning, everyone. I welcome you to another day with the Financial Coconut. In our podcast, we're debunking financial myths, discovering best financial practices, and discussing financial strategies that fit our unique life. You get it. Ultimately, empowering us to create a life we love while managing our finances well. And today, I'm going to interject regular programming to talk a little bit about this whole Evergrande saga and how is it going to affect your investments. Oh yes, my name is Reggie and I'm a Chief Financial Coconut. Recently, we have more and more personalities in the network. So I thought I should name myself and uh, give you a little bit more clarity of who I am. Okay, so we are recording today on the 23rd of September and we'll be releasing in the coming Tuesday. We'll interject regular programming. So by then, if some of the things happen already or some things play out differently, then hey, don't mark my word for it. Okay, but... I want to come in to share with you guys my perspective and share some thoughts about this whole thing. Of course, the reality is it's a lot bigger than uh, what we can understand and nobody really knows what's going to happen. There's a lot of strategic uh, calculation that needs to come about before you can decide some of these things. So all that jazz, uh, I'm going to share with you what I know. So I'm going to answer three questions today, okay? The first question is, will this be a layman situation? Like, will this be a layman crash saga? Or should I put it, will this be a 2000H mortgage derivative saga? Uh, same as the US, I will answer this question. The second question that I'll be answering is, uh, will it be bought out? By the government, okay? Will Evergrande be bought out by the government? And uh, what is my most probable take on this situation? And of course, the third question that I want to put out there is how am I going to play this? Not advice, not recommendation, but how am I going to play this situation, right? Always when there's a shitty situation, there tends to be opportunities, um, at least in my view. And also Buffett says it, like, okay? I don't like to quote Buffett, but everybody quotes Buffett. So yeah, he said that if other people are greedy, you should be afraid. Other people are afraid, you should be greedy, right? So generally, the idea is whenever uh, there's a shit show, whenever something's happening, there's always some opportunity out there that you could potentially explore. Okay, not recommending you, but just showing you how am I going to play this thing. 
Also, if you cannot yet tell, yes, I'm a little bit nasally today and I'm down with the flu. I shouldn't be recording, but for all of you here, okay, I'm going to share with you my perspective. So what is Evergrande? Who is Evergrande? Okay, Evergrande is not some small company. I'm sure you know by now, which is why it's making the news all over the place, right? It is China's second largest property developer, okay, by sales. Uh, so based on the number of sales and amount of projects that they have, they are the second largest property developer. And recently, their share price have come down quite a bit, uh, close to 80% in the past. Year, but this whole saga didn't um, build over time. Okay, since about 2017, they already had this issue with the uh, gearing ratio very high, right? So they have about 240% of gearing ratio, which means for every dollar that you own in the company, every dollar of equity that you own in the company, the company has $2.40 of debt on top of that minus cash. Essentially, in other words, right, they have a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of debt. <laughs> and they are not the only guys. Uh, Across the board, a lot of companies in China, especially property developers, real estate people, have taken on a lot of debts. Because what is the system? The system is they take a certain amount of money, capital, they go and buy a piece of land. After they get a piece of land, they get it approved, then they start selling. So they start selling the property with a blueprint. Okay, so with the selling, they take back about 30% because the locals, the people there actually buy property at about 20 to 30% uh, down payment. Right, so they take their 20-30% to go and build the property and then they take this piece of land to go and mortgage and then take that extra loan from the mortgage to go and buy the next piece of land and then the cycle keeps growing. And also in between, they will sell some high-yield investments or corporate bonds to raise more money to develop the project and all that jazz. So a lot, a lot, a lot of this kind of leverage built up over time, okay? So uh, they are not the only one, and but the central bank also knows, right? About 2018, they already report that this is a potential problem. So the central Bank of China already report in 2018 that Evergrande and some of the other companies are potential systemic risk. So in other words, right, the Chinese government is prepared. They have already seen this coming, which is why they have uh, issued more regulations, which you can go and read about online. Okay, They call it the three red lines. I will not dabble in that. But the idea is Hengda, which is Evergrande, after all these suite of regulations, found it very hard to get more liquidity, to get more cash flow, to continue to pile up and roll this game, right? Because what's the game? You own the land, you sell to the buyer, and buyer give you the deposit, you can develop this land, then you take whatever, you know, a mortgage that you can get from this piece of land to buy the next land. So then it just keeps compounding, okay? So that is the gameplay. So as and when, right, when cash flow has problem or the property value no longer goes up, the sales got issue, it's all going to make it very hard for Evergrande to do anything, right? Which is what is happening today, okay? So that's the broad idea. What is the total volume of Evergrande today? So this company has estimated about 300 over billion dollars in asset size today and also about 150 over billion dollars, all these US dollars, yeah, in debt, corporate debt, which has been collateralized and sold into the market, okay? So if you own some sort of Asian high-yield bond fund or Asian corporate bond fund, uh, whatever, you high-yield and corporate, right, just these two terms in your bond fund, you can go and search, okay, whether do they own Evergrande within their portfolio, which definitely, I think they will, like, it's, it's they, if they're the largest guys selling debt, right? And if you're running a big bond fund, it's very hard not to own some of this, especially in uh, corporate high yield. Uh, but don't be alarmed because a lot of these corporate bond funds, they are already broadly diversified and you should factor in about 2 to 3% default rate uh, in this kind of high yield bond fund already. If you have not checked out the episode that we did with Jean-Paul from FSM1, you should go and check it out under Chills with TFC, Jean-Paul. 
which is episode 24 of Chills with TFC. Go and check it out, learn a little bit more about corporate bonds and Asian high yield debt. Okay, but throwing all these numbers around makes no sense. Uh, how do you read this thing? How do you try to understand the situation? Which brings me to the first question. Will this be a layman crash? Everything I say from now on may come back and bite me. <laughs> so this is something that I think I need to put it out there that I'm going for the most probable situation. Not that other things will never happen because investment is about probability. And my view is it will not be a layman crash. In other words, it will not be this huge situation where the whole market will collapse and the whole world will go into some long period of depression and the government have to keep printing money to save this whole shit out. That is my base case. Why? If you think about it, uh, layman is the only one that collapsed during the 2008 financial mortgage crisis. Okay, by the way, it is a mortgage crisis. It's different from... Uh, the developer going bust. Okay, the mortgage crisis is based on credit default swaps. So I'm not going to go into the details in, in today's discussion because it's too complicated. But the base idea is there were a lot of people borrowing money in the US to buy property. Okay, and so as more and more people borrow money to buy property, property prices go up, right? Which is what you're seeing in Singapore. Okay, a lot of people are also buying a lot of property these days. So property prices will move up because limited supply, it keeps growing, right? The price keeps going up. So what happens is a lot of other people want to capitalize on this growth. So as more people want to capitalize on this growth, it's not just the investor, not just the end consumer, even the mortgage people also want to capitalize. So they started giving out all sorts of weird mortgages, you know, out to the people, okay? So essentially, the people that are borrowing money from the banks to buy property, their credit rating not the best. Because at some point in time, you have to start to lend to other people that is not within the immediate pool of consumers that are good credit rating and can will pay you back. This is what happens on the ground. But one tier on top, a lot of these mortgage brokers in the banks, they were structuring all these mortgages together. So, so they were buying all these different mortgages put together and then they go and sell it as a mortgage derivative. So they go and sell it as a mortgage uh, fund out in the market. Okay, so because the bank lend all this money to all these people, right? They don't want to keep it on their books because when they keep all this debt on their books, it makes it very expensive for them to operate. They don't have additional liquidity. They don't have enough money in their bank account to lend more money because the bank fundamentally makes money from moving capital, okay? From lending money around. That is their fundamental business. So what happens is after they lend all the money to all these different people, they package all their debt, all their mortgage debt together and then they securitize it. They sell it as a mortgage fund in the market. Okay, so you can go and buy the fund or some other bond funds will go and buy it or some other you know uh, asset management company will go and buy those funds. Okay, so that's the second layer okay, of structured bond funds, structured mortgages. Huh? And then as more and more people start to enter this game, other people are betting on how these mortgages will work. So that is when your derivatives come in, right? So your options, your futures, and all those kind of stuff. Of course, in this particular case, they call themselves the credit default swaps. And I will not go into the detail. Please go and search if you want to find out what is a credit default swap. The base idea is there are a lot of derivatives. So the, although the total asset in the particular situation, okay, the total mortgage at that point in time was a lot smaller. It was about $7.1 trillion in total mortgage. The overall default source was $45 trillion. That means people were making side bets and all the derivatives. Like everything ballooned to a $45 trillion okay, market. <laughs> and it definitely took some time before the economists can come together to say that, okay, yeah, actually it's $45 trillion, okay? 
it's so big that at that point in time, nobody was clear what is going on. So if you think about it, today we call it the Lehman crash, right? Lehman Brothers died. But they were not the only ones, okay? Bears, AIG, Goldman, a lot of people were barely breathing, okay? A lot of big banks were barely breathing because they were all making side bets. They were all brokering these bets. So because of that, all of their books are in shit show. They will all almost die. Citibank also almost died. But some of them got bailed out. Some of them got invested and liquidated. Uh, additional liquidity was added into the company. Only Lehman ended its business. It closed down. Okay, But let's not forget, Lehman was not the only one that was struggling. Everyone needs CPR. Only this guy died. Okay, Not enough ventilator. <laughs> so that is the situation. But today, why I think this whole thing will not be a Lehman situation it's because two reasons, okay? One reason is there are no big derivatives on this situation. That means the overall debt size is 150 over billion. Yes, that's one thing. The overall asset is about 300 over billion. Yes, that's another thing. But there isn't all these complex financial tools that are being built on it and people are not betting on the thing yet, right? So in other words, the problem is a lot more controlled and a lot more understandable. So when it's a lot more understandable, there are structured ways to go about liquidating the business, restructuring the debt, and then, you know, Evergrande will disappear or split into multiple companies. Uh, the government may buy over um, and continue to build the projects to return to the people. It's just a lot smaller than the layman situation. Please recognize this. Okay, this is my base idea. $45 trillion of overall credit default swaps during the Lehman crisis and a hundred over billion dollar in corporate debt and 300 billion in total assets. Yes, you can say that, oh, there are all these other property companies that also possibly will, you know, default following blah, blah, blah. I think um, not impossible, but even if you add all of them together, it's nowhere near $45 trillion. Okay, so this is the base idea for why I don't think it will be a layman crash. And also there's the other sub idea why I don't think this will be a layman crash. It's because the company actually own real assets. They own land, they own property, and people want it, okay? They just want it at a discount. Okay? People want to buy at a discount. It is not a derivative. It is not like some weird future, some weird options, like something in the air that people don't want. Just remember recently, the oil price came down. Remember? Right, so why at a point in time, the oil prices came down was because the futures were coming, you know, they were expiring and, in other words, during that period of time, if you own the oil futures, you have to own that oil. But all the oil tankers and all the storage spaces were already full and nobody could get the product. A lot of people don't want the oil. They just want to make money in the, in the game, which is why they have all these derivatives. Okay, so all that being said, the idea with uh, Evergrande is that they actually own land, they actually own property and people want it. They are not buying weird things, okay? So in that sense, it, there will be fire sale, uh, people will buy the land and all that jazz. So there will be an orderly liquidation process where people actually want it. Whether or not uh, these other companies are individuals or small-time investors or big-time investors or companies of the government, they're all okay to buy it back, okay? You can recapitalize. In other words, put in new cash to build a property or do something about it. There are ways to go about it. It's not airy-fairy. So with these two sub-ideas, I believe that my base case is it will not be a layman crash. It is not as wild as what the media is trying to make it sound like. Okay, By the time this episode goes out, maybe uh, media will not be talking about it anymore, but I hope you get a clearer idea after point number one. Which brings me to point number two, and uh, question number two is, will Evergrande be bought out? 
Okay, I think some people are interested in this. They want to find out, will the Chinese government come in and buy our Evergrande or will this uh, be saved in other words? And I'll answer this question after a word from our sponsor. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So a lot of people are talking about moral hazard, right? A lot of the US people talk about moral hazard and all those kind of things. Like, oh, should the government come in and buy it? Honestly, the government don't care. The Chinese government does not share a moral hazard as what the US people look at the situation because the US believe in a free market. In other words, everything is bottom up. The people at the top should not disturb what is happening in the market. But in China, everything is top down. It's a central approach. Okay, so the Chinese government is actively disturbing the market putting out policies, restructuring people and, you know, closing companies and all that jazz. So the Chinese government has no moral hazard in this situation. But I don't think they have interest to save the company in a sense of, you know, buying out the company or buying out the debt and, and what have you. I think the Chinese government wants the company to default, wants the company to fall from grace. It's a good lesson for the people uh, running businesses in China. It's also a great uh, platform for them to kind of let people know, okay, if you want to do business in China, this is the situation. Okay, they don't want to be seen as buying out all these companies and oh, you know, you're too big to fail, you can just do all sorts of shit. Okay, so this is the base idea. So I think it's very likely is Evergrande may exist in parts. So they may be broken down into different, different parts and sold to local government or sold to its competitors. And also their assets underneath the land, the property, the half-baked stuff, they will all be distributed across. Okay, so that is one way to go about doing it. There's also this other part of trying to save their supply chain, right? So all your people that do steel, uh, do sand, uh, manufacture all the byproduct, operating all the big equipments. All these guys uh, will get some sort of support in terms of liquidity. It means the bank will lend them extra money or give them mortgage moratorium or like loan moratoriums where there'll be an extended period of time where you don't need to repay your loan. But all that jazz is not important. <laughs> all you need to understand is that Evergrande highly likely will not be safe because the government does not want. And also, uh, because this whole thing is very much in RMB, so the Chinese government actually has a lot of control. So they can do a lot of magic, they can do a lot of pattern. They will save the broader industry, but they will unlikely save Evergrande. So if you're thinking of, oh, should I buy Evergrande? Or should I you know, buy into the bonds, buy into the debt, and what have you? Uh, I would say may or may not. I will not do it, okay? Personally, for me, because all this is about probabilistic, okay? But my most probable case is they will not save it. They will save the broader sector. They will add more liquidity into the space to make sure they can type through this whole situation. Uh, so that is my idea. Which brings me to question number three is how will I play this situation? The truth is you don't need to play. Huh? You don't need to participate. You can just chill and do your thing and go and live your life. The market will correct itself Okay, if you're broadly diversified. But if you're a little bit more opportunistic like I am, not a recommendation, this is how I will do it. Okay, First thing is I will not be in any other property developers. I will not be in their supply chain. I will not be in the financial companies that are directly within this space. Okay, So all the big banks with a lot of exposure 
exposure or all your financial firms which have exposure in this space, I'm out. Okay, so although I say highly unlikely there will be a layman-like crash, highly unlikely Evergrande will be safe. The most probable situation is the government will come in to save the broad sector, but not the company. So they will provide liquidity and all that, right? Even though I say that that's the most probable situation, I don't think you should go in to the space thinking that, oh, you can capitalize on the sector itself because the sector will be very debt laden and uh, there'll be a lot of problems and a lot of uh, peripheral earthquakes that will happen that you don't know what's going to happen. There'll probably be smaller defaults here and there. There will be more bubbles that come out that, you know, will, will be problems in the sector. So I will stay away from property. I will stay away from anybody that is within the supply chain. I also will stay away from the financial companies in general. But if I am looking at this situation, I am looking at the Chinese tech companies. I'm also looking at the Chinese consumers, uh, consumer companies, consumer brands and consumer staples. These two sectors specifically, of course, uh, consumer brands, you can very broad, like restaurants, fashion, all those other things, you can put them together as consumer brands. But the broad idea is, I want to be in spaces where I think don't really have that much exposure in the space and can continue to ride up the Chinese economy because I've already established that my most probable situation is the economy will not crash. The company will crash, the sector will get reformed, but the whole economy will not crash, the thing will stay stable. So in other words, I want to go into spaces where can continue to ride this wave and also unfairly soak in the situation. Because why do I think it's unfairly soak? Because I don't buy into the idea that it will be a spiral downwards, right? So because if I don't buy into the idea that it will be a spiral downwards, this will be a sectorial problem. So all the Angmore out there telling you that, oh, you know, uh, it's going to blah, 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 this so shit is going to blow, China's going to end. I don't really think so, okay? Just based on the thought process that I've laid out. So with that idea, I want to buy into all these other companies that are unfairly sold. So tech is definitely a thing. They're already very low in price relative to where they were. And also, you know, they have all these slew of regulation, which we'll talk about it in a few episodes down. You will hear uh, my take on the Chinese tech market. So yes, I definitely am looking at tech. I'm definitely looking at consumer staples. So in other words, you don't need to be in this space, but you want to be in spaces where, or you potentially want to be in spaces not directly within the peripheral of this earthquake. Okay, so that is my base case. I'm going to sum it up today. Okay, the three questions are, will this be a layman crash such that it is a whole country problem or an international financial market problem? I don't think so because it is based on a relatively small corporate debt size compared to the derivative markets of, you know, $45 trillion during the 2008 mortgage financial crisis in the US. Okay, so I don't think that's going to happen. Number two is, will Evergrande be safe in this situation? I so I don't think Evergrande will be saved. It will be chopped up. It will exist in a different name or it may exist in a smaller fraction. The government has no interest in saving the company, but they have interest in saving the sector. So they will come in to save the supply chain, save the financial companies in the space, not in a sense of like buying over them, but really just giving them liquidity and support so that they can ride through this problem. Okay. And number three is how will I play it? Of course, because I believe that this will not be a financial crash situation. It will be a sectorial earthquake, right? So within the sector, there'll be problems. So I'm staying away from all the people in the space. So your property developers, your supply chain guys, and your financial guys, I'm out. But I am looking at all the other spaces of so consumer brands, consumer staples, and also um, your big tech, your Chinese tech companies, right? And we will talk about this in another episode. Uh, more importantly, I hope you learned something useful today. See ya!
Hey, I hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconut. Knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting when shared, debated and discussed. Join our community telegram group, follow us on our social, sign up for our weekly newsletter. We are doing a weekly newsletter reboot. We are going to have a lot of information within the newsletter. Everything is in the description below. And if you love us and want to help us grow, definitely share the podcast with your friends and on your socials. Also, if you have any interesting thoughts you want to share or you know someone that we would like to hear from, reach out to us through hello at thefinancialcoconut.com With that, have a great day ahead Stay tuned next week And always remember Personal finance can be chill, clear And sustainable for all Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince Quince has all the jet-setting essentials You'll want for your next getaway Like European linen Premium luggage options Buttery soft Italian leather bags And so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. And yes, I hope you learned something useful and I'm sorry for my substandard presentation because I just have a very bad flu if you cannot yet tell. <laughs> it's very cute. But yes, uh, I think a lot of the Angmos, a lot of Americans, they don't understand what's going on in China. They don't understand the situation there. They, everything they see from data top down, but they don't have the narrative to match the data. So they only see the market based on their own view. One of the worst things that I've heard right, in terms of uh, accuracy of understanding is that there'll be a lot of homeless people in China. The truth is it will not be the case. <laughs> a lot of Chinese people own very big house in their kampong. They leave their family in the rural parts of China and they themselves or they as a couple go to the city centre to make the city rich and then arbitrage it back to the family at, in, in the kampong. During the revolution in the early days, um, actually a lot of the locals, they took back the land. So there are a lot of rural landowners, unlike the situation of the US where there were a lot of slaves, very little owners. And so all the slaves had to go to the city centre to work and they got nothing to base themselves on. So a lot of the Chinese rural population actually own the land. So they have a way to go about. And if you have friends that are from China, you go to their hometown, the house is so big, much a mansion. Right, so it's like GCB everywhere, good class bungalow at every single corner, okay? So please go and uh, learn a little bit more about how the Chinese economy works, what's happening in China. And yeah, I think a lot of the Americans will understand it, right? So all that being said, I'm not discounting the fact that this is a problem and it may be a situation where it is only one of the problem. You may see other defaults come in. You may see other problems come in, which uh, previously there were really quite a few defaults from state banks to smaller financial institutions, a lot of problems already, insurance companies. And the Chinese government has consistently been able to kind of provide liquidity and tight through and restructure the markets, right? So... They have no moral hazard. La. They're not interested in that. They only care about the long-term growth of the company. So as long as they're not owning money to other people, they can do everything they want to keep the company going. right? So all your more talk of homelessness, moral hazard, blah, 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 they don't exist in China. They don't understand China. Okay. So with that, I hope you learned something useful. Uh, I will also be talking a little bit about Chinese tech, which was already recorded um, in the next few episodes coming. And if you have any questions specifically, um, do let me know. 
Uh, but I'm also saying that uh, this is not a crystal ball, okay? Like, I'm not saying that this will definitely be the case, but I just want to put out my view, my perspective, and uh, for you to make a more informed decision, make your own positions. And if you're unsure, broadly diversify, don't need to be too opportunistic, just chill, go and have a muffin, have a cup of coffee, enjoy with your friends, and that's about it. Okay, take care.